This podcast is sponsored by CU Ledger, a credit union service organization offering MemberPass, the simplest, most secure solution to verify your members. MemberPass leverages privacy-enhancing technology to protect credit unions and their members from identity theft and fraud. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. As technology advances and data becomes increasingly important, protecting member and data privacy is vital. Data breaches occur every day, and consumers are more aware of privacy issues than ever before. But with the right privacy-enhancing technology, credit unions can balance consumer trust and the need to leverage data for better service. I'm Casey Mishlevy, Deputy Editor with CUNA News. I spoke with Greg Glosson, Chief Information Officer at Unify Financial Credit Union in Torrance, California, about the privacy landscape. We also discussed how his credit union uses privacy-enhancing technology to build digital trust with members. Glosson leads Unify Financial's technology and information security operations, establishing a secure environment that will sustain the credit union for the future of consumer banking. What's changed about the privacy landscape in recent years? So the privacy landscape, it really sat relatively dormant as the rest of the world ramped up around data availability and all of the various bits of information that we could get on consumers. And it took privacy a bit to catch up. But whenever privacy did catch up, it took a really big step with GDPR, which has been in the past two or so years. Early 2000s and 20-teens, they tended to be a bit of the Wild West whenever it came to data usage and privacy, but it was largely because there wasn't any regulatory response to what everyone was doing with data, as well as there wasn't really a technology solution in order to improve the privacy landscape at all. So GDPR hit the European Union, and it was a good step towards privacy, And it provided a a basic consumer bill of rights so far as their data was concerned. And it took the U.S. another year or so before the California Privacy Act came along. And with the California Privacy Act being the first really broader scale step in terms of consumer privacy in a digital world, uh, now you have several other states looking at different initiatives, but it's really changed here recently, what information you have to disclose to our members, uh, and then how you responsibly handle data. And how has that changed the way that you approach your business practices? So being a California-based credit union, uh, even though we have a nationwide footprint, obviously the California Privacy Act, it was was a really large effort. Uh, It took a number of vendor coordination, it took a lot of internal changes, process changes, and then technology implementation. But we sort of view that as the stepping stone to a broader, more holistic approach to privacy and really where we see the world going. In terms of consumer privacy, we're looking at things such as 
NIST recommendations on getting rid of text message for verification. And we're, we're looking further down how we can make sure that we responsibly handle the trust of our members whenever they're giving us their data and then where that data goes from there. Thinking a little bit more about that trust aspect, what would you say is your current biggest member or data privacy concern? I think I would be remiss if I didn't say my biggest concern was something like a data breach. I mean, it feels like this year it's just been one a week. Marriott announced a 5.2 million consumer breach. So it feels like that is happening each day. Uh, But the heart of that really is just, it's being entrusted with the data of our members. This concept of digital trust, where it's our responsibility as an institution to create an experience that exceeds our members' expectations. And that experience is not only what they're wanting at the right moment, but it's frictionless. And so that does require data, but that experience should help protect our members' right to privacy while we can create this personalized and valuable experience. One of my biggest concerns is how do we balance that? How do we balance privacy and trust with our members and then continue to provide the services that we know that our members need. How does privacy-enhancing technology address some of those trust concerns for members, and where does it play into that protection piece? Privacy-enhancing tech is what allows us to achieve that balance act of digital trust. We've partnered with the CUSO CU Ledger and have implemented their member pass technology, which utilizes distributed ledger technology, specifically to address this. I mean, so the technology that we put into play, it lets us control the privacy of our members. It helps us with verification and authentication and truly understanding who is on the other end of that phone call, who is on the other end of that web browser, or even who's standing across the teller line from us without putting the member's data at risk and giving the member the ability to control that data, where and how it's shared, and also be able to look and see how we're using the data and then control where it goes from there. What are some of the ways that you've found using the data has been helpful or beneficial to your credit union? Using the data has been helpful in terms of certainly in these trying and turbulent times, right? And ensuring that we're there for our members whenever they need their credit union. It's understanding what their financial picture looks like. It's understanding what the current economic situation looks like. And maybe if there's some very specific geographic regions that are impacted, the usage of data really does help us ensure that we get the right solution to our member at the right time and in the right channel. But the big thing, you know, sort of wrapping privacy around how are we using the data is ensuring that we're responsible with everything that goes into that package to get that solution to the member. And that really is where the privacy tech comes into play in ensuring that we have proper data governance and that we're treating our our members' data responsibly. 
Obviously, with privacy being such an important concern, that has to be balanced with the need to provide friction-free services to members. How do you balance those two things? Very, very carefully. (laughs) So I think it's a mix of things. I think it's having the right technology in place and then having the right mindset. Ultimately, we want to put as much control over the data and the usage of the data. This is what GDPR and California Privacy Act are about into the hands of the member. But at the same time, understanding that we have been entrusted with information by the member and we've been granted the privilege to create these friction-free services and offerings for them. So we have to understand that our position is a steward, right? We're a steward of that data and we've been trusted with it. So we properly vet it. We ensure that we have proper security controls and procedures in place so that we understand ultimately where the data goes to rest and how it's used. And then we use that same technology to relay that information to the member to let them know that they are dealing with us whenever we're coming into contact with them or whenever we're presenting them with any sort of solution or financial improvement opportunity. And so that they trust us as their primary financial institution and the information that we're providing them. Do any specific examples of how that's worked for you come to mind? Yeah. So we've used, like I mentioned earlier, we've used the product member pass to really streamline how we interact with our members whenever they call into our contact center. We use this for verification so that we're we're not sending the member a text message or some sort of one-time passcode or anything because we've seen instances where that has been compromised, where something called a man in the middle of attack has intercepted that one-time passcode and allowed for account takeover. So utilizing member pass, which is centralized around this concept of digital trust, we've been able to see a 90% reduction in the verification time for members calling into our contact center rather than asking these clunky questions that a lot of credit unions like ourselves ask in order to somewhat identify that the person on the other end of the phone is who they say they are. We're able to issue them a digital credential. We're able to verify them through non-text message means. It's wrapped up in biometric authentication. They can see on their mobile device that it's Unify who is requesting to interact with them and why they're requesting to interact with them. And then with a just a simple button, they're able to proceed and authorize the conversation or the transaction, whatever it might be. And from an efficiency perspective, we've seen massive gains in being able to help members faster. Obviously, the other side of that is we've seen a reduction in fraud whenever it's come to interacting with members who are enrolled for member pass. A biometric locked blockchain or distributed ledger technology solution is not something that fraudsters have commonly seen. So it's really thrown them for a loop whenever our members have gotten into somewhat compromising situations and said, hey, I I don't want a one-time passcode. Can you please send me something through member pass? The fraudster has tended to hang up. And so we saw a rash of P2P payment fraud and man-in-the-middle attacks in February, and we can directly correlate 
several interactions to where MemberPass was able to stop that fraud. I would imagine with streamlining those processes that your customer response team is just able to be more agile and probably feels that they can be more efficient at doing their jobs. For sure. You know, I mean, whenever you have a 90% reduction in, you know, the mundane conversation of verifying a member, that frees that new time, for lack of a better term, up to have a meaningful conversation with the member. You know, instead of asking them these five questions to verify their identity, you can actually be talking to them about their financial situation, or you can be, you know, I mean, offering to help in whatever way that a credit union can. So it's really freed them up to be a lot more interactive with our members, which has been great. And our members have been receptive to it. Member satisfaction can be a hard thing to measure for a point in time. But I can say one of the things that whenever we initially rolled our pilot out with this, that we were aiming to measure was the call time. We were hoping to see a reduction there. And it tended to stay the same, if not increase a little bit. But it was because the members were so much more engaged whenever we had applied and we had offered this technology to them. It spawned a whole plethora of conversations around this is great. When can I have this in the branch? When can we use this for online? How else can we use this technology? And it's great that our credit union is protecting us like that. And it's so important right now with the pandemic that we're all dealing with. How have you seen these practices sort of playing out during such an unprecedented situation? We're still seeing continued usage of it. You know, with our workforce going remote, just like many other workforces, Obviously, we're doing a lot more phone transactions, a ton more digital transactions than we were before. So this is really something that we're we're getting behind and we're trying to get our members, more and more members onboarded with it because it requires a bit of a conversation so that they can understand the benefits of it and then start to participate. We've talked a little bit about the current privacy landscape on a national and international level. What should be done at the national level here in the United States to ensure data privacy and security? I think at the very least, there should be a national conversation regarding data privacy and ultimately who owns the data. Like we talked about earlier, data became so prolific ever since, I mean, really the advent of the internet. And I think that consumers have a really hard time understanding at this point what data is. I think we associate data with things just that are relatively simple by today's standards, like social security number and address. And now using machine learning and artificial intelligence and public databases, private databases, there's just almost an endless supply of information that can be gleaned from somebody, especially given the right tools and enough time. So I think that nationally, we should have some conversation around who owns the data. I think that GDPR or the California Privacy Act, I think those are good steps around what a 21st century digital age consumer is gonna expect from something like a bill of rights. But ultimately, I think that this is going to be a topic really for the next decade in the United States. We've seen the conversation really start and crescendo in Europe, 
And I think that the United States is going to see the same thing. So it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out because data has been so instrumental in so many companies whenever it comes to revenue and everything else. I think it's going to be hard to sort of wean ourselves from what data has been able to do for industries. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, with privacy being so prevalent for everyone right now and changing so fast, it's really raised consumer consciousness of privacy issues. But at the same time, it can be so opaque to the average person to really understand how to protect yourself and what tools are actually out there working to protect you through your credit union. So thinking about that, what role do you see credit unions playing in that larger education piece for consumers? I think that credit unions are in a unique position, and it's a really great position to be in whenever it comes to this topic, because, I mean, ultimately, we're here for our members. We're not here for shareholders. We're not a publicly traded company or anything like that. We're, we're truly advocates for our members. And so I think we have direct line of sight into what the big issues are, and we have a direct line of communication with our national member base to be able to help educate around good privacy practices, to advocate nationally with our legislation and with other credit unions on consolidating and using the same privacy technology so that we can, for lack of a better term, at least blanket our members with good privacy practices. But really that member education piece, we're typically just viewed as such a trusted advisor for our members that we have a really great opportunity to talk with them about good, safe data, privacy practices, what they should and shouldn't do and technology that they should look at and you know, maybe some things that they should avoid. And I agree, it absolutely plays back into that trust piece that we talked about earlier and how well-positioned credit unions are to be that advocate and that trusted voice for their members. Do you have some best practices that you can share that credit unions could think about implementing to improve their privacy and security? One of the very first things that we did is, I mean, we went to our members, we established a focus group, and we started to get member feedback on their privacy concerns. You know, what were we doing well? What could we do better? What did they feel were large concerns of theirs? And obviously, you know, that can run the the, the full gamut of people who don't care about what happens with data just so long as their account continues to work. And then there's privacy activists. But we were able to collect that feedback and really understand our members' thoughts around privacy. Uh, I would say a really big thing is to identify what the authentication and verification methods that you use for new and existing members in each channel. Because as you grow through mergers or as you grow organically, you know, sometimes channels or legacy practices, they can end up taking a life of their own. So a authentication or verification map is just a really great exercise to understand exactly how you are verifying and validating your member's information with each interaction. And that sort of leads into laying out a real understanding, like a data diagram or a data map of where all of your members' data is, whether that's with you, whether that's with a third party, or explore if that's a fourth party. If you have a vendor 
who is selling or sharing information, it's your responsibility to know. And so to lay all that out on a map to understand how your members are coming in and being verified, and then ultimately where their data goes to rest, that really helps to highlight that you should partner with the right vendors and to make sure that you're aligned on what you and they are looking for, especially whenever it comes to privacy, security, and technology in order to address regulations, you can have the best intentions in the world of keeping your members' data private, but partner with the wrong vendor and then ultimately be putting information at risk. And then lastly, I would say to investigate privacy-enhancing technology. I know typically credit unions, we have the ability to be agile, but sometimes we can be somewhat timid Uh, I would say don't be afraid to explore new technology, stuff like distributed ledger technology. We partnered with CU Ledger and with MemberPass and put that solution into place. And we've seen a tremendous benefit there, both corporately for our credit union and specifically for our members. And so I would really just advocate for look at what is out there because privacy technology is changing almost daily. And there are real opportunities out there for new and emerging technology that can help secure your members' privacy, it can help secure your data, and it can really streamline and make the digital experience frictionless and seamless. And with the way that technology and things change so rapidly, what have you found is the best way to keep up with that? Are there people on your team that you rely on to keep up with trends and to research some of those topics? We try to leave space for innovation, which inherently means space for research. We try to make sure, I mean, obviously we want to continue to move the credit union forward and meet all of our goals and objectives for the year and continue to provide stellar member service. But at the same time, we need to leave room. I equate it to like 90% is driving the business forward, 10% is researching and innovation. But we try to leave that R&D time available to each of our areas, whether it's digital banking, our strategy office, data management and governance, IT, or even the non-technology centric business units like contact center to try to leave that space to go and research, use all the information available at your fingertips, you know, via the internet, whether that's information provided by CUNA or networks on LinkedIn, whatever that may be, but just have time and dedication and focus to actually go out and go research and learn about the technology and keep up with it. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. CU Ledger provides member pass to credit unions as a way to quickly and confidently verify member identities, improving member experience, reducing fraud, and increasing operational efficiency. Learn more at memberpass.com.